Our first lesson from Psalm 8 urges us to give glory and thanks to God. All of creation points to our maker, the stars and the sun, the flowers and the trees. They all point to our wonderful God. Listen now as we hear the words of our scripture. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look up at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the path of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Indeed, Brother Mark. Amen. Our second lesson comes to us from 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 16, verses 23 to 27 and 31 to 34. For those of you who are um, finding this a familiar text, you might also know it from Psalm 96, one of those few texts that are absolutely repeated. Listen to this Psalm of King David. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord is king. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me?
Oh God, open our senses to your presence with us here. And in all the beauty of the earth and in every place of our lives, be with us, open us to your word this day. In Christ we pray and may all God's people say, Amen. True Confessions. When I planned this service a month ago to get Dan and our leaders the music, I had a particular vision in mind. I thought, with all we've endured this year, wouldn't it be refreshing to focus on the beauty of God's creation? Instead of focusing on all the problems around us, wouldn't it be lovely just to take a deep breath and pause to rejoice at God's handiwork? Some of you already are <laughs> with a road trip to the Grand Canyon or, or walking on the beach to the sound of the surf or like the Chaffees, simply savoring the ripening tomatoes in their garden. <laughs> let the sea roar and all that fills it, let the field exult and everything in it. And then last week happened. It began with Mark's sermon, it's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's sermon that brought us to our knees in grief. If you missed it, I urge you to go to our website to watch and listen. Mark testified to his horrific experience just a few weeks ago. Sarah was in the office here when an unhoused man settled in just outside this fence. She followed protocol. She called Mark, who knows more resources for the vulnerable than anyone else I know on this earth, truly. Mark went to offer help, but the man screamed racial epithets, shoved Mark to the ground, and kicked him in the head. Sarah called 911. Two fire trucks came. The paramedics bandaged Mark's injured knees. The police came too and apprehended the man, but by the time Mark got to the police station, the man was already outside the station screaming at other people. The police had released the man with a citation even though Mark had urged them to engage the mental health services available. Advice they ignored. As for Mark, I suspect your knees are still messy and you still have a headache. I do. Yeah. And though we thank God that the damage wasn't worse, I think this whole congregation joins me in praying that you will continue to follow up with care, that you might be with us for a long time to come. 
so much for celebrating God's beautiful creation today. And if that weren't enough, if that weren't enough, on Monday, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change came out with its new report. Maybe you've heard. Carbon dioxide is unmatched for at least 2 million years. The last decade was warmer than any period in about 125,000 years. And the ocean hasn't been warming this fast since the end of the last ice age, for starters. We're already seeing the impact. The World Resources Institute reporter says it this way. Headlines related to extreme weather appear to come out of a science fiction book. Even the richest countries in the world can't control widespread fires. They're even burning in the Arctic. Deadly flooding in Germany and Belgium in July 2021 completely washed away buildings and cars, and more than 1,000 people remain missing. Hundreds died in flooding in China. The Pacific Northwest, known for its cool climate, hit over 100 degrees Fahrenheit for several days and still is. And the Arctic lost an area of ice equivalent to the size of Florida between June and mid-July 2021. And, and the IPCC report shows that the world will probably reach or exceed 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit of warming within the next two decades. She closes her article this way. We'll be looking back on today's apocalyptic headlines, thinking how stable things were back in 2021. So that's this week. Close to home, our brother in Christ sharing his racially charged abuse by a mentally ill man and the dismissal of his wisdom by authorities. And around the world, global warming's threat of heat and fires and floods, which we see in our own state, of course. And COVID infection skyrocketing and Afghanistan, a wildfire of its own and Haiti devastated by an earthquake. And that doesn't even name all the painful stresses many of you are going through. Illnesses closing in, loved ones dying, jobs disappearing, families falling apart, kids going back to school in wildly uncertain times. It is all too much. So what do we do with all this? I promise I'm not leaving you here. <laughs> What do we do with all of this as Christians? How do we respond to this brokenness and pain and fear? Well, the first thing that comes to mind may seem heretical, but, but the first thing that comes to mind is throwing up our hands in defeat. <laughs> and I know I'm not alone. 
One of the most faithful members of our Thursday morning women's prayer group put it something like this. She said, I don't know what to do. I keep searching and searching, and I don't even know where to start. My heart just aches for this next generation. And sometimes it feels like it's just too much. Like what we want to do is just hide under the covers or maybe grab a bottle of scotch. But that's not the only way we can throw our hands up, is it? I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by scripture's guidance when it reminds us to throw our hands up to God in prayer to throw our hands up to God in prayer. As Adult Bible Forum begins with the book of Job today, and join if you can, Job chronicles the unjust loss of everything and everyone he held precious, leading him to curse the day he was born. When he gets no answers, he resorts to praying this, oh God, that you would grant my desire that it would please you to crush me. Raising our hands and our fists and screaming at God is not unfaithful. It is not unfaithful. It's no accident that the Bible has an entire book of lamentations. And doesn't Jesus himself pray these words? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is faithful. It is faithful to embrace the futility we feel not to pretend, but to throw our hands up to God in prayer. And, and, scripture also reminds us that none of us faces the trials of life alone. Again and again in scripture, we're encouraged to team up together to address our challenges. I think of Moses. I think of Moses who's overwhelmed by the people's complaining of their 40 years in the desert and who wouldn't. And God says, gather up 70 of the elders and have them take your place, their place with you and they'll bear the burden with you so that you won't bear it all by yourself. I think of the prophet Elijah, who runs away to Mount Horeb to escape Jezebel's wrath. He laments, I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it. And God tells him to go back out, because God is providing new kings and another prophet, Elisha, along with 7,000 people who are still faithful to God. And I think of Esther, who's encouraged by her uncle Haman, and Ruth, who's blessed by her mother-in-law, Naomi, and Paul, who's accompanied by Timothy and fed by the deacon Phoebe and supported by the generosity of Priscilla and Aquila. 
And even Jesus, did you note, doesn't try to do his ministry alone. He gathers up the 12 to follow him, and later he sends out a group of 70 to every single place that he intended to go, saying, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. God sends us out together, together to face our challenges. So let me ask what that looks like for us. What that looks like for us. We're about to enter a crucial time of discernment. Over many months, we have had a discernment task force gathering your wisdom first in focus groups and then through a long survey, and many of you responded, thank you. The report is coming together. I, I don't think I'm spoiling any surprises when I say that it turns out that this church is deeply committed to the mission of God's love and justice. You are deeply committed to God's work of love and justice. And just as we founded PATH and Foster All and the West Side Food Bank, now, now we're called to promote God's love and justice for our time. What will it look like? Well, we have to discern together, together where God is leading us. But we do know this from the survey and focus groups. There's a hunger among us to help the vulnerable, the elderly and homebound, the homeless and the refugees. There's a hunger among us to promote racial justice, even before we heard what happened to Brother Mark. There's a hunger among us to address the environmental crisis even before the climate report came out. There's a hunger for so many things, and it is going to take time to discern what's next. But I can't help that, to think that we are called, all of us here, all of us watching, we are called not as a political tribe, not as an ethnic community, not as a socioeconomic group, but we are called as a people of faith. We, we are called as a people of faith to come together as the body of Christ in the world, to come together to make a difference for such a time as this for such a time as this. One last word, a word of hope. Just a reminder that in the end, the redemption of the world is not our doing. It is God's doing. And it is God's vision that points us on our path. 
In just a moment, our closing hymn will lift up that vision so beautifully. And I hope you take these words and tune in your head in these weeks ahead. It is God's vision for a world of respect and love. It is God's vision for a world where justice and peace enliven us all. A, a world where we share with one another in need. A world where we speak the truth in love. A world where every child knows that they are utterly beloved. A world where equality doesn't depend on our gender or color or creed. A world where everyone belongs, everyone. And new life isn't a pipe dream. God's love triumphs over all. For it is then, as God's triumph, God's love triumphs, that scripture will be fulfilled. For the trees of the forest will sing for joy. For God comes to judge the earth. So sing to the Lord, for God is good. And God's steadfast love endures forever. Amen.